there were a lot of great things about growing up in the 90s, but you can probably think of a couple of things that creeped you out that would never be shown to kids today. But was there something bigger, more strategic, and more sinister at play? Hey everyone, this video is going to be a little bit different, and if you're new to my channel, then you may want to click around to see the kind of content I normally upload. This video is for anyone who grew up in the 90s or the 2000s, that still feels like things were a little bit off about the time that they grew up in, or for parents who have kids that were born during this time frame. In order to understand where we are today, we need to look back and see where we came from. I remember when I was young, adults would tell me how afraid they were of movies like The Exorcist. I didn't think it was scary in the least, but when it came out, people actually fainted from fear. So what may not be scary anymore certainly was in our unconnected and more isolated society before social media connected us all. There are actually tons of YouTube videos about millennials sharing the shows and movies that scared them as children. Seriously, tons of playlists. While they focus on things that scared them and the comment sections are filled with people who had similar experiences, I want to take it one step further. Before we get started, I want to give a warning because I'm going to be talking about some very disturbing content. There will also be some reference to programs, and if you believe that you're a victim of monarch programming, you may want to skip this video. And to anyone suffering with PTSD, this video may not be for you. Also, I'm going to be showing some video clips that may be disturbing to certain viewers, because they're creepy and unnerving. The clips are from commercials and TV shows that aired from the 90s to the early 2000s. With that being said, I will also be discussing disturbing content like death and abuse that may be too graphic for sensitive viewers or people who are very empathetic. This information is open source and can be found with some basic research skills. Don't let your curiosity show you something you don't want to see. All that being said, let's begin. Were 90s kids subject to trauma-based mind control? To an extent, yes. However, every recent generation has been. The only differences are the scripts being run. This video aired every night with a subliminal message behind the text. The easiest way to program the subconscious is to distract the conscious mind. So by reading the words on the screen, your conscious mind focuses on the lyrics, but your subconscious picks up on the subliminal message. This type of programming script was used to create nationalism. The primary use of psychological manipulation is highly sophisticated and done to targeted individuals from before they're born to program them with an individualized script for a desired purpose. There are countless types of programming, such as Beta, Gamma, Alex Janus, Delta, and are done by trained programmers or handlers, or Grand Dames, also called Mothers of Darkness. An abuse survivor named Katie Groves describes programming as follows. For thousands of years, people have perpetrated a crime against humanity known as trauma or torture-based mind control. Its essential goal is to break the will of an individual and brainwash them into being an unwitting slave. In other words, creating the illusion that they've lost their free will. A slave who neither knows they're a slave nor has the ability to question their circumstances. This is achieved through the systemic perpetration of rape, torture, gaslighting, humiliation, and forced perpetration and witnessing of violent trauma, leading to the forcible creation of dissociative identity disorder, formerly known as multiple personality disorder, and Stockholm syndrome, or trauma bonding. Disassociative parts of the victim, called alters, are then accessed through hypnosis and programmed to do their abuser's wills. It is valuable to note that while the general methodologies are pretty consistent throughout the world, different groups use different techniques to program their victims and no two survivors' programming will look exactly the same. You may be wondering at this point just who these groups are. In my experience, cults, government agencies, and child trafficking rings are the most common. And no, 
none of these spheres of human life are actually separate. This is not exactly the type of programming I'm talking about. What I want to talk about is a trickle-down, less sophisticated form of programming, in a form of cultural phenomenon that evolved inorganically, meaning we as consumers did not create this content, but were exposed to certain themes over and over in our entertainment by the interwoven media conglomerates of the time for the purpose of programming the children of a generation. The Dark Luciferians, or the Dark Occultists, also called the Dark Illuminati's Great Plan, called for family life to be destroyed, for children to rebel against their parents, and for the world to become more violent. Children needed to immerse in violent images so that a violent society could be created. One of the major components is that they want everything to happen as if it's happening naturally. Where the programming is important is that they've distributed programs throughout all levels of society. There is no religious group, philosophy, or political organization that cannot or has not been infiltrated. I discuss the two versions of the New World Order as well as various prophetic events in my other videos if you are new to this kind of content. I am a 90s kid and that's why I'm focusing on the time frame between the 90s and the late 2000s. Every generation's entertainment is different and there's a reason for that. Like I said, it depends on which scripts are run. Everyone who grew up during this time frame knows that we were exposed to some very strange things. The scripts were twisted, bizarre, and creepy. What happened to the millennials? I often wonder if some of the problems we face today, like apathy, anxiety, and depression, could be the result of some unprocessed trauma. That might sound strange, but this is a strange world. Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman is a military expert on how to condition people so that they will kill. He writes in his book On Killing that the same process that the government has used to condition soldiers to kill is being used by the entertainment industry. Grossman states on page 308 that the conditioning to kill begins with cartoons. It begins innocently with cartoons and then goes on to the countless acts of violence depicted on TV as the child grows up. Then the parents, through neglect or conscious decision, begin to permit the child to watch movies rated R due to vivid depictions of knives penetrating and protruding from bodies, long shots of blood spurting from severed limbs, and bullets ripping through bodies. While children see horrible deaths on TV, they learn to associate this suffering with entertainment, with pleasure, and their favorite soft drink or candy bar. Did you guys know that England forbid Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs being shown to anyone who was under 16? unless accompanied by an adult because of the scary content. Things have definitely changed since 1937. Let's start out with children's shows and progress from there. Tons of articles on the web can be found now attributing these very cartoons to literally shaping the generation. This article says, while cartoons came on strong at the dawn of the decade, things didn't stay the same. In 1997, education standards came back strong, insisting that most cartoons have moral and educational value. This implies that shows before that did not have such things. The article goes on to say that, quote, Ren and Stimpy from 1991 best reflected the latter subset of the 90s cartoons. It was violent, strange, and graphic. It was controversial when it came out, but not quite as controversial as more recent developments of the creator John Kirkflusey of pedophilia, sexual assault, and creating child pornography. Another site recalls, wow, cartoons in the 90s were weird as hell. And the author goes on to say something very important. These shows had a huge impact on my sense of humor and served as a gateway to the twisted stuff I found funny later in life. Another site says that they knew that they were weird and they celebrated it, ending the article with the realization that they don't make cartoons like this anymore. There's definitely a reason for that. A YouTube video about some strange bumpers or those clips that play when a show goes to commercial or comes back even addresses the fact that cartoons are definitely not the same. 
Weirdness is inspired by creativeness, and today's Nickelodeon is not that. So what was Nickelodeon like? Well, familiar with the concept of adrenochrome and Nick's long history of pedophilia, this is disturbing even today. I feed on you. I can only speak for the US, but while kids in the UK grew up with Harry Potter and their introduction to magic, we had Hocus Pocus. as well as kids' shows with scenes like this. <laughs> the scene is infamous in horror movie history. It was so terrifying in the 70s that moviegoers actually cried and fainted while watching it. But by the 90s, it's been reduced to child's play. Then there was the Goosebumps series. Potato. And ah yes, the classic Magic will protect your individuality. Say, you still got your color. You have not gone gray. Oh, that's because I have the power of magic, Willie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot. And yeah, just a whole slew of other weird stuff. Cartoon Network also had a lot of strange shows, to say the least. Okay, this stuff is pretty innocent, but being steeped in this kind of stuff with no escape, you kind of have to accept it as normal, and you become desensitized to the content. Later in the 2000s, every kid my age remembers this. Mr. Meaty. The internet is full of people who call this the most traumatizing show on Nickelodeon. It's something that I can't even describe. Like, I can't put into words how horrific this show was. Like, I can't. And they're really not being that sarcastic. It was a puppet comedy show with an intro that cheerfully sings All God's Creatures Fresh Off the Grill. And here are some comments about it. They say things like Nickelodeon showing you how to become a cannibal since 2000. This is why it was cancelled. This show is the reason I have issues. I can't believe I watched this when I was little. How did this even make it on TV? Now I understand why my mom didn't let me watch this show. It had scenes like this. Oh, hey, hey, you know what? You guys should be very, very careful because there's um, pig lard all over the floor that's very slippery. Okay. Delicious and nutritious snacks! Mm. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the crunchy parts are my favorite. Here. Oh, oh, oh. Mm. That is 
disgusting. I love it. Interestingly, another odd show from the 2000s called Room 401, which was supposedly a prank show, had an eerily similar scene. Room 401 was hosted by Jared Padalecki of the CW Supernatural series. The show took unsuspecting victims into the center of pranks that played like mini horror movies. From the reanimation of the dead to chainsaw mishaps, each episode contains four quote scares or pranks. And it also had a very creepy opening. Welcome to room 401. <laughs> Keep in mind that all this was seen through the eyes of children. They had very little context and there's nothing scarier than the unknown. So even if these clips aren't all that scary, our imaginations made things a lot worse. Today's kids can see something like this and instantly go online to learn more about it. That way they can contextualize what they saw and it minimizes that unknown factor. So it can minimize and remove the fear and anxiety around something uncanny. An example of this can be seen in the reception of the movie It, which frightened kids in the 1990s but the 2017 remake quickly was turned into cute cartoons and toys and wasn't frightening at all. I threw out a poll on my Instagram and asked people if they remembered anything strange in cartoons from growing up. I got this response which says, Cartoon Network shows were dark, like murder, misogyny, and being skinned alive. And then I put a button to ask people if, looking back, this was messed up to show kids. The majority said yes, but I was actually kind of surprised that some said no. Another person said that everything was UFOs, and paranormal and supernatural were definitely big themes. But the entire UFO and alien narrative is a clever way to cover up the CIA and government black operations involving mind control. There's a reason people like John Podesta push the UFO agenda. When they push for disclosure, it's to keep the light off of what they actually are involved in and give the public a new enemy or something to focus on and never suspect the true monsters are living among us. Area 51 has nothing on Dulce, New Mexico. Speaking of UFOs, Sci-Fi was a basic cable channel owned by NBC Universal and featured sci-fi, horror, fantasy, paranormal, and supernatural shows that premiered in 1992. This is the promo clip.
there's a subliminal message of Saturn on the TV, and then later it says escape. Saturn on Earth, or Saturn's world, depicted here. And for those familiar with the occult know that Saturn is represented as Satan, whereas the Sun is represented by Lucifer. Saturn represents lead in alchemy, and the Sun represents gold. Alchemists like Saint Germain were said to be able to turn lead to gold. And this was an opening to a show called The Outer Limits. I don't want a copyright strike, so I'm going to have to read most of this intro for you. But the beginning of it starts like this. There is nothing wrong with your television. It goes on to say, do not attempt to adjust the picture. We are now controlling the transmission. We control the horizontal and the vertical. We can deluge you with a thousand channels or expand one single image to crystal clarity. We can shape your vision to anything our imagination can conceive. We will control all that you see and hear. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the deepest inner mind to the outer limits. All of this is exactly what programmers do to their victims. In a very sophisticated way, they lay in programming in a grid-like structure, horizontal and vertical, to create 26 rooms inside the mind of a victim to create 13 families, and then there's a mirror 13 to create that 26. Anyway, on a small scale or mass indoctrination, the episodes of the show itself have little or nothing to do with mind control. But this opening script familiarizes the viewers to their techniques without anyone ever knowing it. The importance is that this opening plays before each episode, which sets the stage for influencing the subconscious. Now take that narrative and apply it to the agenda behind the creators making the show. Using media for mind control, but let's disguise it so that they never suspect anything. After all, we disguise lots of stuff as... art. As of 92, Saturn and the Dark Occultist had a firm grip on all entertainment media and Saturn worship featured heavily in the programming. The Saturn script actually ran until 2012. A lot of early trauma we experienced as kids in the form of entertainment, through abusive family or bullying, or anything like that was cemented or anchored with nationwide tragedies like Columbine. And losing the sense of safety we felt at school, it suddenly became just another place of danger. Then September 11th came around. Everyone knew the world changed. Something died that day and everyone remembers what it felt like. Some of us were way too young to know what was happening, but judging from the energy of the people all around us, we knew it was a day that would go down in history. So the world felt a little bit darker and a little bit more dangerous than it did before. While our cartoons at home were not conducive to psychological health, school wasn't much better. We were subject to videos loosely classified as educational that shocked and frightened children into behaving properly in dangerous situations. One YouTuber recalls a video he was shown Going to school was no escape from the nightmare fuel either. We were often made to watch these government safety videos. These things were designed to warn kids of the dangers of doing stuff like playing with fireworks or crossing railway lines. They were specifically made to be frightening. The idea was that our tiny minds would be so scarred from seeing these things that we would never do any of the activities in the video. The one I remember most vividly was about climbing on electrical pylons. Various kids get electrocuted to death in very graphic ways. You can imagine what kind of effect this had on the minds of children at the time. Everyone who went through driver's ed from the 90s on probably remembers a film called Red Asphalt, most likely the third version, featuring extremely graphic footage of horrendous accidents. 
A quick search on the internet can get you the full video, but the articles about it are disrespectful to say the least. Quote, are those epic California Highway Patrol driver's ed snuff movies among the most watched film franchises ever to come out of California? The problem here is these videos, created by the government, are shown to children against their free will. To watch a movie, you have to go to a theater and pay for it, or search for it on your device and then choose to watch it. You have the intent of seeing something. But even in films, the violence is fake. Children are unwillingly shown violence and gore that most adults would never choose to seek out. Kids are also curious, and some sensitive ones may not know how these images affect them until it's too late. Adults can make an educated decision to view gore in a manufactured way, such as through Luciferian propaganda like the house that Jack built. Ah yes, a scene about hunting children. That can't possibly be true, right? Right? Or you can fall into the black hole of the internet by searching up the Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil 2.0 on your apple that has a bite taken out of it. I digress. Okay, so after a traumatic day at school, what were 90s kids to do? They went on this new wacky thing called the World Wide Web. Today, the internet is great, but it can also be a very dark place. For example, there's a corner of the deep web called the Cruel Onion Wiki with a section where people do harm to kitties and puppies. Luckily, some of these people haven't gotten away with it. But back to the 90s kids, a 9 or 10 year old does not have mature decision-making skills. The self-control center in the front of the brain, even by your 20s, isn't fully formed. Adults also weren't as clued in back then and they did not know what the kids were doing on the internet like they do now. Unfortunately, animal cruelty was just some of the viral content easily accessed by kids back in the day. The same content that can be found in the borderline illegal deep web today was consumed by middle schoolers with just a few legal clicks thanks to shock websites like Rotten.com. Rotten.com was a shock site with the tagline, an archive of disturbing illustration active from 1997 to 2012. It was devoted to morbid curiosities, pictures of violent acts, deformities, autopsy, and forensic photographs depictions of perverse sex acts, and disturbing or misanthropic historical curios. The domain name was registered in 1996 by Thomas E. Dell, a former software engineer for Apple and Netscape who went by the alias of Soylent. The site drew 200,000 visitors a day in 2001. Dell called himself Soylent via the company Soylent Communications. That link leads to a site called the Notable Names Database, which is an intelligence aggregator that tracks the activities of people we determine to be noteworthy. Anyway, Soylent is a fictional food substance from Harry Harrison's 1966 book called Make Room, Make Room. Soylent Green, a 1973 movie loosely based on Harrison's novel, has a scene that says, Soylent Green is made out of people. They're making our food out of people. Next thing they'll be breeding us like cattle for food. Promise, Tiger. I promise. I'll tell you exchange. You tell everybody. Listen to me, Hatcher. You're gonna tell them. Silent breed is people. Thomas E. Dell also created Waffle. That spawned the bulletin board system Mindvox, which later became a platform. And yes, he did work as an engineer for Apple and Netscape, but he also was a consultant for Norton Antivirus. In other words, he wasn't a nobody. In the words of Dell himself, Rotten.com was quote an unforgettable collection of all that mankind swore to forget, but which we have trapped in agonizing clarity to remember always. 
Since then, quite a few shock and gore sites have been dead, or in other words, they are not updating anymore, they're not active, or they've been completely shut down. Internet laws have since tried to regulate the wild west of the web and have driven this content deep into subreddits, 8chan, or onto the deep web. Seeing violent content does make people susceptible to psychological injuries, such as anxiety, depression, and possibly even PTSD. But there's a big difference between adult and children's brains and their ability to process a situation. Adults have context, children do not. By no means does that mean that adults are not negatively affected by graphic images. In fact, you can thank the fact that the internet is a well-regulated place thanks to content moderators. The very people whose job it is to protect you from seeing the things that your children saw in the early 2000s are suing Facebook for not protecting them against mental trauma. The article says, quote, Facebook is ignoring its duty to provide a safe workplace and instead creating a revolving door of contractors who are irreparably traumatized by what they witness on the job. The lawsuit cited content such as videos, images, and live-streamed broadcasts of child sexual abuse, rape, torture, bestiality, beheadings, suicide, and murder. I can tell you just from what I remember of kids in the early 2000s talking about Rotten.com, it was a lot worse than some of these things that this woman mentioned. I personally never went there because I was one of these kids that just drew all day long and watched Drake and Josh, but I still remember what the kids were talking about. And there are still some subreddits actually dedicated to people who still remember the things that they witnessed and how they feel about it today. There are also Facebook groups about the early 2000s with entire threads dedicated to people venting about what they still remember from shock sites. There are countless other articles out there saying the same thing of content moderators for Facebook, Google, and Instagram, and YouTube. Quote, some of these people claim that they had few tools to deal with the after effects of a job that required them to consume some of the most depraved material on the internet. And a former Facebook moderator described to the BBC the horrors she was exposed to on the job and criticized the social network for not doing enough to support staff members handling disturbing imagery. Quote, from the moment you see the first image, you will change for good another article states. But where law enforcement has developed specialized programs and hires trained mental health professionals, the article states that the technology companies have yet to grasp the severity and seriousness of this job. My point is that grown adults need help when subject to this kind of imagery as a job. But us 90s kids saw this stuff, pretended we didn't, and then went back to watching Ren and Stimpy while eating our frankenfood. Those who were unlucky enough to encounter this kind of stuff when they were young may still be dealing with the after effects today. Now, the DSM-5 diagnostic criteria for PTSD does specify the importance of witnessing a traumatic event firsthand. The lawsuit filed against Facebook by the content moderators is kind of fighting against this, saying that it is legitimate to develop PTSD when not exposed directly to a traumatic event. I believe that people's experiences and the way that it affects their daily life are way more important than trying to fit them into boxes. You can't look at someone who says that they're still affected and say that they aren't experiencing some spectrum or form of PTSD. Technology now is becoming more aware of the blurred line for trauma. As virtual reality becomes more popular, Google has this to say. If the content is frightening, violent, or anxiety-provoking, it can cause your body to react physically, including increasing your heart rate and blood pressure. It can also, in some individuals, cause psychological reactions, including anxiety, fear, or even post-traumatic stress disorder. 
For those who know about trauma-based mind control, then you know that virtual reality can actually be used to induce it, along with first-hand traumatic experiences, usually with the intent for splintering the mind and creating alters. But in a less sophisticated way, the outcome can still be recurrent unwanted memories, uneasiness, and PTSD-type symptoms. If you follow Q and know what's going on behind the scenes, then you may have noticed that they actually mentioned mind control on more than one occasion. I'll leave the link in this post in the description below. In fact, one Q drop says, We haven't started the drops regarding human trafficking and human sacrifices yet. Those who know cannot sleep. Nobody can possibly imagine the pure evil and corruption out there. The amount of time and energy to get us to where we are now in our society is not by chance or mistake. The great work of the dark occult, the great work that the dark occultists strived for, also called the dark world order, was to keep humanity in a state of general unconsciousness and slavery and to tighten that control until they are invincible, invisible, and immortal. In other words, they become God. This way, they guide humanity as the hidden hand in the way that they want it to go, so that we don't look at the bigger picture and we don't see who or what is behind the scenes. And if you want to know more about how dark the dark occultists can get, I suggest reading Fiona Burnett's ITNJ witness statement or watching her documentary called Candy Girl. When all of this is put into context and you see the bigger picture, it should become clear that our minds are the battleground. That's why you have to see through these scripts and break out of the programming. Question everything and don't be afraid to learn the truth. We somehow had to bridge the gap between Fast Times of Bridgemont High and the occult fair that surrounds us today. 90s kids were desensitized to violence and gore. The next script to run was to desensitize to the occult and Luciferian imagery so that witchcraft is accepted as an aesthetic instead of a legitimate religion not to be treated lightly. Another recent change is that we used to watch adults who acted like children. And today, we see children who act like adults. Some other changes the younger generation now faces are issues with physiological responses to technology that can cause addictive behavior and a dwindling attention span. They're also presented with the confusing reality of splitting their personality and life between reality and the virtual world in the form of curated Instagram feeds, YouTube personalities, even apps like the Facetune app that influence the way that their minds view the self. Anyone familiar with programming or even psychology knows that the very structure our brains are built on is the identity of self. Self is what gives us a sense of identity. It helps unify all the many functions that our brain goes through to process our environment, our thoughts, and to carry out tasks. And it cannot handle rapid change done to that core self. The rift that occurs from showing your mind an altered version of yourself in real time is very confusing. Children are now exposed to this technology, and we don't know what it's really doing to their forming sense of self. This entire script has themes of manipulating the core self and immersing ourselves in a virtual reality, where the lines begin to blur between what's real and what's not. But there's very little fear. Notice that there is no bump-in-the-night programming anymore. So in conclusion, my opinion is that yes, some of us 90s kids were subject to a form of trauma-based mind control. I just wanted to share that with you guys. So be patient with people around you. Maybe some of them have been traumatized and they don't even know it. Maybe you've been traumatized and you didn't even know it. But you don't have to be alone and you don't have to be scared. I wanna leave you guys with a little bit of encouragement. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
Thank you guys for watching this video. I appreciate it. Take care.